Hey everyone, my name is Jason West and this is PodClass. Boy, do I have a great show for you all today. My guest is Dr. Stephen Glass, a former principal and now district administrator in West Covina, California. In this interview, Stephen and I talk about why a divide exists between teachers and administrators, one thing every school needs to have, and why hip-hop artist Rick Ross would be a much better Secretary of Education than Betsy DeVos. So, before I start the show, I'm going to briefly recap my week and share what tea I'm drinking today in a quick segment I'm calling Tea Capping the Week with Mr. West. Okay, so the tea I'm drinking today is Twining's Irish Breakfast Tea. It's a black tea, and as the name would indicate, it's part of the breakfast tea family that includes English, Irish, and Scottish. The flavor of this reddish-hued tea can be best described as malty and hearty. It goes really well with pastries, uh, too well, in fact, for those of us who love pastries but also love fitting into their pants. Irish breakfast is stronger than its more famous cousin English breakfast tea, and that is why I'm drinking it. Nothing like a straight jolt of caffeine to wake up a sleepy parent and or, although in this case it's definitely an and, help alleviate sinus congestion, which brings me to the recap of my week. This past week was kind of a blur. I started off by telling myself that I needed to take a little break because between having a new kid and a toddler, having a new job, taking two master's classes at night, having this podcast, and, you know, just being a person who needs to do things like get groceries and pay bills, I was feeling like I hadn't been giving my family enough of my time, so I decided to hit the pause button and just spend some time with my family. What I didn't realize was that my body took my uh, self-imposed work break as an opportunity to also give my immune system a break. Uh, I should have seen this coming because, well, every teacher will tell you that we almost exclusively get sick during vacations or long weekends. It's kind of like our body knows, okay, now you can relax and then get sick. Uh, So taking this little vacation from all of my extra jobs was definitely going to result in me getting a cold. So uh, that's where I'm at this week. I spent three days being extra present with my kids, and then I've spent the last four to five days in a mucus-induced fugue state. So that's been fun. Uh, I think I'll drink some more of this tea and pray for the booger gods to set me free. All right, let's get the show started. But first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Growth Mindset. Growth Mindset. If you don't have it by now, you'll never get it. turned 50 in March mm-hmm. and so that's that's my girl Beyonce's my girl so my wife's like hey you know we're gonna go to Beyonce and I was like I'm not trying to go to Coachella mm. you know what we we have like a four-year-old you 20 know? year old white girl Mecca yeah yeah, yeah. right what, what are we doing what are we doing <laughs> so she actually got the tickets wow. you know and um I mean it's tickets for the whole festival right but mm-hmm. you know yeah and I was like let's just stay up and watch it right 
we both fall asleep because we're, you know, parents, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like they're like, I'm going to go to this concert. We'll, we'll be totally chill. But you can't even stay up past 10. <laughs> Dude, it was horrible. Like we, we were way, it was post Malone before yeah. uh, uh, Beyonce came on. And it's, you know, it's rapid fire. They know exactly what they're mm-hmm. doing over there. So post Malone, I get to what I know now to be the last song in his set. And Beyonce's coming on like in 15 minutes. And I close my eyes, dude. I close my eyes. And my <laughs> wife rested them. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. And the next morning, I'm like, oh, snap. And there was no mechanism to record it. Mm. And then people who did record it and put it on YouTube, they took it down like oh, right yeah. away. R- yep. And I was like, okay. The lo- lawyers are the most tech savvy people. Like, if I could have a lawyer here to set up my podcast, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be sad. Yeah, seriously. Because they would just, they'd know. No, don't do that. No, don't don't, that. Here, and oh, I got you running. You're, you're actually live. You're live right now. Uh, speaking of live, welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for coming. It's all good. You have been in education for how long? Uh, 25 years. Man. Yeah, 24, going into 25. Yeah. And, and you're still here. Yeah. You, I'm, you, I'm standing. <laughs> you're still standing. <laughs> yeah. You haven't run for the hills. Uh, you started out as a classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, what, what grade? Uh, I started, my first job was as a seventh grade history and English teacher. So um, that was at Tetzloff Middle School in Cerritos, really small, you know, middle school, um, like in 95, I think, something like that, right? And it was just kind of, from there, we just kind of rolled. I I worked a little bit when I was in Georgia, uh, but when I came out to California, that was my, like, that was the it. I was working. You were in Georgia teacher. for university, or mm-hmm. yeah, I went to Morehouse College, and then um, were you uh, in athletics when you were there? Because I, mm-hmm. I know that you have a big background. Yeah, no, I, I I'm too short to play what I played, which was basketball. So, sure. No, no, it was just me and the academics, and that's it. And my friends, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I stayed out there for a little while after I graduated, and then came back and um, got into teaching. Try to run from it, but then I got into it. Yeah, so talk about that a bit, because when I'm, I'm always interested to hear when people knew that they should be teachers. Yeah, and and what I've been finding is that for the most part, people don't know they want to be teachers until a few years into their teaching career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, That's they kind of right. fall into it and go, "Oh yeah, this is actually great for me." Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the universe has sort of guided you there. Mm-hmm. It's true. So I I I, I want to be a lawyer, mm. and so I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a lawyer. And when I got into that sounds like a really amazing that sounds like a really amazing early '90s late '80s show. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a basketball player by day, but I'm (laughs) or I'm a lawyer by day, but I dunk at night. Like it's just like one of those things. (laughs) It's it's Stephen Jordan. (laughs) So, uh, um, you know, when when I first uh, got out of college, I wanted to go to uh, Howard University and go to their their uh, law school, but. I was on the wait list and that was weird because I'd never had that experience before. Sure. I'm like, I just get in places. What do you do? So, um, <laughs> don't you know who I am? <laughs> pretty much. Steven, I was like, Stephen yeah. Jordan. <laughs> That's right. What's up with that? Stephen Jordan. What's up, dude? So when I, when I got back, I'm being upset, you know, yeah. my really good friend called me and he was out here and he was like, dude, just come with me to Western state. And I was like, Dude, I don't want to go to Western State. I want to have like these because I was really big on like what schools I was going to mm-hmm. and everything. I was so depressed I didn't get into mm-hmm. Howard that I come back and I enroll at Western State. And I did about a year and well, three semesters there. And I was like, I can't. This is crazy. This is not what I wanted to do. Right. So my mom was like, Well, 
here's what you can do. You can take the sea vest and you can kind of sub until you figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I, at the time I was working at a hotel as, as you know, back the back room stuff. Was your mom in education? Oh yeah. She was I was like, that's not something that people would know. Oh, take the certification oh, right. test. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So, so she was a teacher for a while, like 20 something years. Yeah. What about dad? Oh, my dad was in the Navy. So he was like doing his Navy You're like thing. the third person I've spoken to on this podcast where parents are military and education. Yeah. It's kind Wild. of an amazing yeah. confluence of uh, service. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind oh, of yeah. really what it's about. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, giving of yourself for the betterment of, you know, future generations in mm-hmm. the country. It's kind of an interesting pairing. Yeah, yeah it's true. No, I, I never thought about that yeah. way. That's exactly what it is, too. Hmm. Because you have to want to do it. My dad was in the service for... And you have to not be afraid of terrifying things like yeah. children yeah, or, you know, bombs. Uh, yeah. Children, bombs, sometimes they're interchangeable. <laughs> but no, he, he was in there for a long time, like 20... He retired from the Navy, 25 some odd years, something like that. So she said, take the... She said, take, take the, the test. Take the CBS. So I went to Gardena High School, took the mm-hmm. CBS one morning and um, got the results back and I can go and sub. All right, great. I go to Long Beach Unified because that's where I really wanted to go. If I was going to do anything, I was going to go there. Sure. I go there. I go through the orientation and everything. And this guy I was working with at the hotel was like, my mom's a principal at this middle school. And I was like, all right. Well, she's looking for a history teacher. <laughs> it's a weird conversation starter. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was wild because the, the majority of our conversations were about hip hop and uh, clothes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he's like, dude. Aren't you a history major? Yeah, I was a history major. Didn't you just take the CBS? Yeah, I took the CBS. My mom's looking for a teacher. I go, why do you know all this stuff about me, dude? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, we were cool, but I was this like, is, this is before Facebook. This was yeah, before Facebook, before <laughs> you really AOL hit on out. Too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> so um, he put me in touch with his mom. I went over for this what I thought was just like meet and greet, and ended up actually being an interview, and um, she hired me. So I started teaching right after Veterans Day in uh, 95. And um, it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> I was one, maybe two chapters ahead of the kids and everything. So what I realized... Well, you were a first-year teacher, basically. First-year teacher. <laughs> Literally every first-year no teacher help. is one or two Oh, it was ahead. wild. It was wild. I mean, there were wonderful people there that sure. supported me and everything. But you know, I'm the one that's staying there until whatever o'clock at night trying right. to do lesson plans. You have stuff. no other commitments. This is what you do. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So it was not the first year, but it was the second year that I realized, oh, I'm supposed to be a teacher. I have to just hmm. own that. So you're actually my first principal on, on the show. Awesome. Uh, I think you're going to be one of three over the next few episodes. So I'm okay. really excited to get that perspective. But at the time, you weren't, uh, you hadn't pursued higher education. You hadn't pursued no. masters or the doctoral no, degree that you now have. So you are, you are already a unicorn early on in your career. You're a young black male mm-hmm. teacher. Period. Period. Yeah. In middle school, in a non, uh, or. It's it fairly diverse. It was urban. Yeah, it was an urban neighborhood. It, it, but Tetzloff is urban. But it was not like strictly for, you know, it was not a, a strictly black community or an no, overwhelming black community. Yeah, yeah. right. So uh, how was your experience sort of coming up in education where, you know, you're kind of this isolated incident in education? I see that, you know, reports mm-hmm. nationwide that in the highest populated districts, 
over 70% of students are of a minority subgroup, mm-hmm. whereas over 80% of teachers yeah. are white. Right, right. I mean, growing up, mm-hmm. I was always the only, right? It was not too many black kids at my high school, not too many black, mm-hmm. you know, it's the way it was. So going to Morehouse, which is an all-black, all-male school, I was like, okay, I, I'm learning. I'm, this is new for me. This is awesome. Mm. Um, coming back to California and teaching at Tetzloff, um, it was like home because I went to school in that district. So I knew the community and I sure. knew, you know, all the, all the little places to go and what not to do, what to do. So it was, um, that wasn't my, my problem. There are always going to be teachers who have um, time in and they have their own ideas about things. So there were times when we'd have conversations that I was like, how do you even teach kids? You don't even like Mex- Mexicans. Mm. What are you doing? You know? And they're like, well, there's a, no, dude, I don't know how you can separate it. Yeah. So in my brain, I was like, okay, steer clear of this person, steer clear of mm-hmm. that person. And I started to kind of mute myself because in, in certain um, audiences, I guess you could say it that way, um, I knew what I had to offer wasn't going to be, you know, the garden variety kind of opinion right. about stuff. Yeah. So people were... Well, but um, also, you know, because of your own personal experience, mm-hmm. that is a much needed voice with people who don't have that exposure. And oftentimes I have found like the teachers that talk the way you were saying these other teachers talk. Yeah. Um, yes, there are some of them that are just like, maybe shouldn't be in education at all. Right. Then there are other people who are just completely ignorant mm-hmm. and just talk out of no sides of their mouth because they exactly. don't know what they're saying. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, they, they yell at their kids all the time. They say, you know, you should listen twice as much as you speak. That's why you have two ears and one mouth. And then they'll turn right around yeah. <laughs> and plug their ears and cover their eyes, mm-hmm. even though they only have two hands. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> and, and they'll just they'll just talk out into their yeah. own little echo chamber, right? Right. So uh, this idea that you were self-muting mm-hmm you know, is really a shame because that voice needs yeah. to be out there. Yeah. And it was, it was youth. I was, yeah. um, young girl, you know, so I was like 26, 27, 28, something like that when I started. And so I didn't have the maturity at that point to even talk to people who in some cases were my teacher. Like mm. I, I, Mr. Harris was my sixth grade teacher and he was working at that school and now we're peers. So oh, that was weird. weird right. So that that those things were like dynamics that I had to kind of traverse in some way, but because you never fully grow up in front of the people that at all. you grew up with. Oh yeah, you're still this. Yeah, even yeah. not just to them, but to yourself. Absolutely, you just, you just immediately revert. revert. Yep. Yeah, it's so Absolutely. weird. Very yeah. common. That's why I would never do well with. Uh, the the idea of high school reunions mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> People be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna show them what I've become." N- no, right. I, I don't care. I could become the president of the United States, and mm-hmm. I would show up to a high school reunion and be like, "Oh God, it's me here." Well, so I just went to my thirtieth. Oh my God. And, um, you know, it, it's a smaller group, yeah. And everything, and I was class president, so I have to like help facilitate oh. some of this, right? <laughs> so you were that student. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It, it was, it was, you know, it's high school, so it's kind of popularity contest. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you make a, a nice little speech and you say whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, going to the reunions, you're like, okay, yeah, I know. You're, you're awesome. You're a doctor. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a principal. Okay. So, right. Yeah. You just deal with it. So, 
How long were you at this middle school? Were you just a couple of years? It was um, I was in that school for exactly two years, and then uh, two and a half, really. And then after that, because I started late the first year, mm-hmm. and after that, I went to Orange. The principal um, got a job in Orange. The principal that I was working for that hired me. So I'm, I'm a loyal guy, right? Mm-hmm. So she comes to me. She's like, "Look, I'm going to this new uh, spot in in Orange Unified." And um, I'm wondering, would you like to go there with me? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm just here and I'm barely yeah. in, involved in some of the activities. I was coaching, stuff like that too. So, And she was like, you know, if you want to come over, I'll get you an interview and you can do this. All right. So I go to this place, Santiago, and it was a charter school. Mm. So it was Santiago Charter Middle School. And it was, you know, an in-district charter, you know, all that stuff. So I go out there and I stayed a, th- a couple, three years there. Um, as also a history teacher, I, I didn't do any more. Oh, I did English one more time, but it was just mm. history at that point and coaching and stuff like that. And, um, that, that was a completely different community. I mean, it was pretty much predominantly white kids mm-hmm. and high end Latinos that were at this school. Right. And everybody had a uniform, you know, the whole uniform thing. So one of the things that I knew I was at the wrong school, <laughs> I love the school, right? but at some point, this young lady, um, Adriana, Adriana, she comes into my classroom, Mr. Glass, guess what I got for my birthday? I was like, oh, what? What'd you get? A horse. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is, that's wild. All right. I have zero experience with that. Yeah. I got you. I mean, I've ridden a horse, but- Owning a horse with stable, because they lived in Orange Park Acres. It was beautiful homes back there. And uh, I remember opening my door at Tetzloff and seeing like apartments across the street and stuff. Open my door at Santiago and there's like bunnies running around, a nice little, you know, grassy knoll. You're like, this is like, this (laughs) is so much nature. No, it was crazy. I was like, this is insane. I can't believe this. But that's, that's kind of, you know, it's decisions that you make as a, as a community mm-hmm. when you community build, where are we going to put this school? Sure. But at the same time, it's the upkeep. It's the um, approach, the, the ideas that you come up with when you're in that setting that define you. You know, mm-hmm. so we're at Tetzloff, you're writing poetry and it was kind of Tupac-esque, right? You're in uh, this place. It's like everybody's like. Everybody's happy. Very bucolic. And oh, yeah. You know, the lovely rolling hills of... It, it was, and it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And, and, and I could only stay there a few years. And then I had to go to the other side of town. Do you <laughs> feel that in order to be an effective educator, you need to be in an environment that is familiar to you? or Because I, I hear that a lot where mm-hmm. uh, people who let's say they grew up in a certain area mm-hmm. and now they're teaching in an urban community and it's like, Oh, I uh, don't know if I can do this. Um, or the other way around, yeah. right. They grew up in an urban community. And like you just said, you were in an area that was mm-hmm. much more of affluence, much right. more rural ish. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you, um, I think the, 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 the secret ingredient is just mm-hmm. caring. Yeah. So when I go to a school I do gravitate toward the kids who have less than. That's mm-hmm. just my thing. I, you know, I, I own that. But by the same token, I've been at multiple schools. Like I had zero in common with anybody at Compton Unified, and I went in there and you know, did what I did. You mm-hmm. know, it was it was that was a great experience for me. 
And um, I tried to shelve certain aspects of that experience so that I could go back to them and, and look at it later. Like I had to check my, um, my bias when it came mm. to gang culture, my bias when it came to parent involvement. I, I just, boom, 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 boom. I can't, I can't judge people in that way. I can't say coming from a school like Santiago where you had, I think every parent had to do or every family had to do 10 hours of community service at the school or they paid 150 bucks, 10 bucks or 15 wow. bucks. Yeah, it was wild. And people were just writing checks and doing whatever. And over here you have, and it's high school when I was right. in Compton, but over there you'd have like a school site council or you'd have an ELAC meeting mm -hmm. and there's like no one there. Right. And the natural response that I would have is, well, they, they don't, don't care. care. Yeah. But then the truth of the matter was, Three, four jobs. Yep, too multiple busy. Multiple kids, too much stuff. And going they, on. and as I, you know, I had this conversation with another guest, uh, the idea that I have found in my own experience that in communities that are of less affluence, mm -hmm. those parents seem to have so much more trust in their teachers. You know, in the, in the we, whole system, right? We are doing the best we can. Yeah. Uh, here you go. Yep. Here is my future, my pride and joy, my the thing that I care most keep, about. Keep them safe, educate them. I, I just I trust yeah. you know what you're gonna do and that you know what you need to do. I don't need to be over your shoulder. And exactly. then you go into a community of affluence, and it's almost the inverse. Um, I mean, yes, you'll have strays on either side, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you know, yeah, the the typical mindset is, oh, they don't care, right? Really, is like. I don't have time to do this. I just, I trust you. Yeah. I, I, I know you got it. And if you really, if you don't have it and you need me, let me know and I'll figure it out. But, exactly right. Um, yeah. That's tough. Yeah. That's crazy. The volunteer mm -hmm. check thing. I mean, it's the way it, it may still be going on now. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, 20 some odd years yeah. since I've been there, but now, the now it's inflation. Now it's three fifty. Well, well, I mean, it's possible. So it, it's, it's interesting in that regard. I mean, I, I, the money component is not supposed to be present, right? Right. It's just, it's just the way it has been. How long have you been a principal? This is my fifth year. And you went from the classroom to being an AP or? Um, I went from the classroom to being activities director. Okay. And um, I did that for a few years. And I went to from activities to an AP at a middle school. Mm-hmm. And um, after I did that for a few years, and I went to the high school. So I was doing middle school and high school as an assistant principal. How long were you in the AP? Almost uh, probably like nine years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like at any point you needed to leave because you weren't going to get that principalship? Or is that a typical amount of time that people well, wait? I think there were some competing well, factors here that may not even be completely accurate but you know I think a lot of what happened was um, some people like to say timing mm -hmm. I say timing in a different sense um, and I don't know this to sure. be an actual fact but when I first got into education no problem department chair blah blah blah, blah. when I got to be an AP no problem blah, 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 blah. Obama gets elected and I can't get a principal job wow I mean, it, it was it was incredible to me, and I started to think, what what the heck's going on? This is in Orange. This is in Orange, yeah, and and ABC as well, in Cerritos. Yeah. So, 
and I don't know. I, you know, I, I've never, well, I've talked to one person about it in that environment and we talked about it. Um, I didn't say it was the Obama effect, but I just felt like, you know, what's going on? What, what's the, yeah. the issue? And, um, was it, it uh, might not have causation, but it definitely has correlation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I don't get it. I'm trying to figure out what I need to do differently. Well, there's nothing, dude. You, you don't have this, whatever mm-hmm. this was. Right. So moving from there to, um, I was at ABC at Cerritos high school and I went from there over to Buena Park high school and I worked there for a few years. Um, when I got the opportunity to work at Compton as a principal, I, I jumped at it. Mm-hmm. So it, they were very interested in me and being, you know, African-American male mm-hmm. being, they were like, yeah, come on, let's go. And at that point you had your master's. I had my master's. I hadn't done my, um, my uh, doctorate yet, mm-hmm. but I had the master's. And so it was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. What is, and, and I'm curious, not just for my own, knowledge but uh for the knowledge of my listeners because i'm working on getting an administrator credential Mm -hmm. right what is something that now that you've been in the administrative role for as long as you've been in it what is something that is completely misunderstood about that role or something that Mm. maybe you wish you can go back and tell yourself as a teacher like hey actually this is what's really happening as a principal it seems this but there there, there has to be a, a an understanding mm-hmm. in the organization of what the roles are. And, and I mean this very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. The administration, top to bottom, they are supporting. That's it. That's their job, to support the teachers. The teachers have to figure out if they want to trust the administration. But that's not going to be any different than the student trusting the teacher but they're in a different relationship. They're in a different situation. So I think that people believe that we as administrators don't do anything and we're just out to get people. Teachers on the other hand are trying to protect themselves, read union, right? Trying to protect Mm -hmm. themselves. And what's getting lost in the sauce is the kid. Mm. And so the kid is just expected to do X, Y, and Z. But Mm -hmm. when you have a toxic environment, which usually the relationship between teachers and administration is usually toxic in some Mm -hmm. fashion, um, the kids are going to mirror that. Yeah, I found, and this is just my own observation, but and you have so much more experience than I do, especially in this end, and you can tell me if I'm just crazy (laughs) or if I'm like, maybe I'm onto something. I find that the people who have the most contentious relationships with administrators equally then have contentious relationships with their students because there's a weird dynamic of power that they don't know how to process Mm -hmm. right it's i don't know how to process somebody who has who i perceive to have so much more power than me Mm -hmm. and now in turn i don't know how to process having all this power over well, these students and there's know, a weird and I, and I could be wrong i just no, you might be, in my experience that i've something. seen with people who have really contentious relationships they're not just like beloved by their students right they're not you know nobody's standing on a desk oh captain my captain for the for, <laughs> like that doesn't happen where it's right. like i hate the principal the principal hates me but the kids just are rallying mm-hmm. for the teacher yeah it's 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 interesting in that regard because um because kids don't they're not it doesn't matter right mm-hmm. they're, they're at school they're here to see their friends they could care less about how a teacher feels about the principal. Um, there's a very short list of things a principal actually has to do 
to be considered like worthy, right? You know, mm-hmm. you go to a football game, go to a dance recital. <laughs> you know, people are like, you know, oh, I saw him there. That's cool. And they just appreciate that you're there. However, when there are certain individuals on the campus, be teacher, custodian, what have you, and they are, um, they have issues. They have issues with administration. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually don't publicize it in the same way with that group, with the student group. Their actions are really what, you know, so um, principal comes on the loudspeaker and the teacher's like, <sighs> well, you know, yeah. so like, why are they doing that? You know, and then over time they say little things here and there. Mm-hmm. That becomes the father. Kids are really they're savvy. In tune with they that. can yeah. figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's up with that? Why are you tripping? Mm-hmm. You know, well, he's always trying to change stuff. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, but, but it's, it's, that's where, that's where the teacher gets into the routine, yeah. right? Because we're routine oriented people. Mm-hmm. We backwards plan, like we talked about. And the idea is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been doing this mm-hmm. for 10 years and I learned this from an awesome person. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's so unscientific. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's an experiment. And yeah. this work, this set of protocols worked with this for this outcome may not work with that right. in the same way. So we need to work collaboratively to make that happen. So when it comes to the power dynamic, the teachers are the most important, the single most important factor to student achievement. Mm-hmm. But that's not always what's done. That's not always how right. it's viewed. It's, it, it becomes like, I believe in coaching teachers, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and that's uncomfortable for a lot of people because instead of it being contentious and, you know, me from on high mm-hmm. speaking to down low, I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's, let's go in. Maybe I can show you what's going on. And they're like, why, why would you do that? Mm. Cause that hasn't been their experience. And this sure. isn't everybody. It's just a few. So that, that becomes a, a little bit problematic. The kids don't know. They don't understand what's happening. They just are used to, and they're very honest. They're very used to how um, the class is structured, whatever the culture of the classroom is. Whereas with administration, we go in once, twice a year, and that's it. And you're, you're, you look at the student outcomes, either the grade matrix or something like that, and you make a decision about if that teacher's a good teacher or not. But that's not always the way that it should be viewed. It should be a very... You know, it should be a synergy of emotion and resources that are going toward figuring out how to get students to learn. What's really interesting about education is that it's it's a very intricate, I compared it to like a Rube Goldberg device, Mm. where it's like (laughs) if one thing falls apart, the whole thing, the whole system. But at the same time, as much as it's like a Rube Goldberg device, the people who are in the machine, if you will, it's one of the more like insular, mm-hmm. you know, like admin are doing admin things in their box. Yeah. Teachers are doing teacher things in their box. District people are doing district things mm-hmm. in their box. And they don't typically uh, overlap right. or interact, right. which is why when they do, it's very contentious. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. It feels like an invasion of space. Uh, you know, teachers do so, so much. Mm-hmm. And, their issue is that they don't realize how much admin have to do. Right. And admin are doing so, so much mm-hmm. and that they now feel like, um, you know, like they've seen behind the curtain in Oz yeah. and they're sitting there going, you all don't know what I know, but then they forget what teachers are doing and all that they have to do and what that, you know, the things that they don't know. Um, 
And it's just this weird dichotomy of I've got a lot. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything. It's a lot. Was there any point in your career where you felt like you might be burning out? No. Um, that's interesting. Uh, the kids give me a lot of energy. Mm. And so there's always one or two that, you know, I gravitate toward that mm-hmm. are, you know, having trouble. Projects. Just, yeah. yeah. And in some cases, they're boys. Uh, there's been one or two girls, <laughs> but almost always, let's just be real. <laughs> well, well, but Boys. For, for, for me, it's different it's for, because as a teacher, mm-hmm. it was, you can pick them. It was always boys mm-hmm. as an administrator. Girls have some harrowing stuff that happens mm-hmm. and you're like, you're like, okay, I can't deal with all that, yeah. but I can do this. <laughs> and so there were several girls that I had as middle school, as middle school assistant principal that are very, very nice. And I felt like they were vulnerable and I was like, okay, I need to protect them. Mm-hmm. Right. And in one case it was a, um, like we're still like in touch with each other through Facebook and everything, mm-hmm. but she was going through it. I mean, dad wasn't at home. Mom was working several jobs. Older sister was just kind of like doing her own thing, you mm-hmm. know? And Kathy was just like, you know, just loud and obnoxious and, and rude. And, and you're just like, Kathy, you have to stop calling doing for that. help, calling for attention and love. Always yeah. the whole thing. And you're just like, oh, Mr. Glass, can I just sit in your room? Go ahead. Come sit on here. <laughs> and then ah, you can't sit in here doing that. Yeah. And, and it was, it was ongoing. And I had her in sixth grade all the way through her 11th grade year, I think. Wow. And, and, and you know, we just, we just. See, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, I, so I guess my last question for mm-hmm. you is. Do you feel that the way the school system is set up now, that it's setting everyone all, as, as we say in the industry, all stakeholders, mm-hmm. setting everyone up for success, students, teachers, administrators, well, it, community it, members? Yeah, it's not designed to do that. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a valiant attempt to do that, but it, it's not. It's, you know, we have zip codes and you have different education available in different zip codes. You, I mean, you know, we both know that, but I think when it comes to, you know, we have to be a little bit more humble mm-hmm. and honest about what we're, our outcomes actually are in order to address what teachers need. So in some cases I always used to say, I think we should shut a school down for a year and just do professional development do planning and everything, and then bring everybody back and then start going. I would love to see teachers working in the summer for pay to plan for the upcoming mm-hmm. year in, you know, course likes and also in, in, in job in, in a, in a grade levels, mm-hmm. you know, that would be ideal. And then maybe some across the board, some, some co-curricular type of things in order for everyone to be involved. But, um, you know, people come at this differently now, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and again, you know, going all the way back where, Obviously, you had a system set up where everyone's doing these Carnegie Minutes and you're doing that for the purpose of learning how to be on the assembly line. Okay, so whatever. Right. So now you get to a place where it means something. Like you you do these particular prerequisites in order to get into this school. Well, it changes the dynamic completely because you can make a decision, not a student, but a, an administrator, a, a counselor can make a decision for a student in the eighth grade that'll set the tone for the rest of their academic career. Mm-hmm. That's a big, that's a heavy thing. But what a lot of people do is they just cookie cutter it. Well, this kid has a B in this class and a B in that class. They should be in honors. 
that person has a C and this person has a D and that's, and that, there's, it's so unscientific. I mean, how, how does that even make sense? Mm-hmm. So you have to do case by case. No one has time for that. Yeah. So you almost have to appreciate the teacher mm-hmm. and say to the teacher, you know, the content is there. We get it. Talk to the students, get to know the students, build a relationship with the students. So they're feeling in touch with what's going on at the school mm-hmm. site. And then fill them with the rest of it, fill them with the content, fill them with the different procedures that we're doing so that they know how to do these things. Cause at bottom, everyone should know how to write a good English sentence. Everyone should know how to calculate, you know, figures, numbers, everyone should be able to talk, to, to speak to someone mm-hmm. and be reasonably understood, you know, convey a thought. And um, I think that we don't do a great job with that. It's very, Dar- you know, Darwinian when it comes mm-hmm. to how students are going to be addressed in the current system. You know, if the kid does it, awesome, you worked hard. If a kid doesn't do it, it's like, well, you should work harder. What does that even mean? I may not, cognitively, I may not understand what's ha- happening, but, you know, that's where we, that's where the deficit is, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you, you have my, my wheels spinning here. <laughs> Uh, in my head, I actually think that's a perfect segue uh, into our next topics that we're going to talk about. You ready for uh, some fun segments and games? Let's do it. All right. I'm ready. Okay, so our first segment is uh, going to be now full disclosure. Uh, one of the things that I'm more fascinated by in terms of you and your career, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, is for this segment alone. I know that <laughs> you are not someone who is... Uh, just comfortable with the status quo or making minor changes on a single site. Uh, I know that you have competed in sort of a national competition to, you know, build your own school, if you will. Uh, Could you do it here and just actually talk? Could you talk a bit about that experience for a bit before I ask you to tell me what is one thing you would change in schools Mm -hmm. uh, across the country? The, um, it was the ex, XQ Super School competition, and that was a you know maybe three or four years ago. Essentially, you had to a person, a team, could put together some sort of plan for a school in order to kind of address the redesign of high schools. Okay, so I had already completed my doctorate. I studied African American male high school student athletes, and one of the things that I found was that number one, some of the societal things some of the community things were always a deterrent there's sometimes you know obstacles to being successful both academically and from an athletic point of view so I was thinking to myself how should we structure a school should we do um, just a traditional 9 through 12 or should we do something else and so I I settled on a 6 through 12 and from there we were looking at it from the point of view of a uh, like an on-campus type of situation where students would be housed there so you wouldn't have these other issues of home and the lights weren't on or I had to watch three of my sisters and you know, you don't right. have that. How did you find out about this competition? Let me be honest with you. I think I found it on Twitter. I mean, I think <laughs> that they were just, you know, publicizing it and yeah. I ran into it and you know, at that time I was always on Twitter. So it was something that came up. So this is a I national competition. It. it was. And you had a team. So it was just two of us. Okay. It was me and another teacher, another uh, administrator, a friend of mine. And she and I, um, she was on my dissertation committee. And so she knew the work and she knew the direction. And then so we just kind of threw it together. you were just going to 
go yeah. for it. And you, yeah. you went pretty far. Yeah, we went to the quarterfinals. Wow. So it was really, you know, it, it went from however many, you know, submissions to another round to the final, uh, second to last, because it was around July that they were going to announce the people who were going to go to the semis, mm. and we were in the quarters, and so we didn't make that one. So if anyone has ever been built for this segment, it would be you. Oh the segment is called Build Your Own School. All right. So uh, we now have the Dr. Stephen Glass School for Crazy Kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they would give it that title. Why would they do that? It seems like, yeah, it seems like a just <laughs> you're just starting from behind. Right. Uh, but this is the school, and they tell you, there's one thing that you can implement in this school and whatever that is, we will do that nationwide across all schools. What is the one thing you'd want to change in schools nationwide? Well, I think there needs to be an environment Mm -hmm. where students can ask a question with uh, and, and this is kind of uh, it's more about the student than it is about a system, but they have to feel that they can ask a question with no reprisal. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be any negative things that happen. So, if I was to be more practical, it'd be like we change all the start times, right? Nine o'clock, everybody starts school at nine. Great, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't know. Everybody's different. If I was talking about um, tutoring, that'd be that'd be great. But sometimes it's just the, the natural in class, the teacher's asking a question, the student responds, that teacher knows that that person knows the answer, mm-hmm. but the rest of the 29 kids in the class may or may not even need clarification. They may or may not need to have a little bit more depth and complexity. So I think that within schools, there should be a room where, I mean, every wall you can write on, there's books just all over the place, mm-hmm. and you can go in and ask questions. You can just ask questions. And get, <laughs> you have like an oracle in the oh, center. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you, you need. You sit there, and this, they have their little crystal ball, and they say, yep. okay, ask me a question. Because, because otherwise, what do you... So, because I was thinking before, when we were doing the other school, when we were trying to design the school, mm-hmm. you know, what things could set this thing apart, right? The idea was to have athletics in the same way you would have um, Orange County Performing Arts you know, School. You have athletics here and academics here. Half the day you're committed to academics, half the day you're committed to athletics. It presupposes a bunch of stuff. You know, can you read? Are you on grade level? You know, but, but we're going to get past that and go to that. I think the normal kid at, wants to ask a question. Mm-hmm. They, they just do. They well, just, I mean, I have a toddler now, and yeah. it's, it's already, what are you doing? Exactly. Why are you doing that? What do you have in your hand? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> it's all, it's all, all it is is questions. And, 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 and they need an answer. They need a response. Mm-hmm. I mean, your daughter's three. My daughter's four. Everything is, a, why? <laughs> why? And you're like, dude, I don't, have an, I don't know. That's the way it is. And that's not an answer. My kid looks uh, almost exactly like my wife. Mm-hmm. It's like, if she didn't have my eyelashes and dimples, I'd be like, mm, paternity test. Uh, <laughs> but the That's one awesome. way that I know she has my personality is that she's always walking around. Is that funny? Is that funny? <laughs> is that <laughs> I'm funny? like, oh, she just got, she inherited my neuro, my neurotic uh, oh, man. comedian personality. That's, that's my daughter is, she thinks she's hilarious. So that's how I know she's like me. <laughs> Everything's funny. Was that funny? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it was funny. Oh my God. Uh, you know, I would, you know, let's punch up these jokes a little bit. That was, right. a, that was an okay joke for a two and a half year old, but Fair. let's workshop them. Let's figure it out. Right. I'm sure there's a, beta, a more concise way to make that joke. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so, 
So yeah, so you you would have a space. Yeah, and it would be tied to a library, right? And and you know the the newer libraries, not like the ones that I grew up with, mm-hmm. right? It was just a nice little common space because I think kids need to have those opportunities just to dialogue because we're not placing. I mean, project based learning being what it is, and we're not placing emphasis or any kind of explanation to why they're doing certain things. Mm-hmm. So give them that, give them that opportunity. Do you feel like this is something that is you know, if you were living in a fantasy world could happen or is this something that's feasible or is it more like Hogwarts? No, no, it's, it's, it can happen. Here's why it can happen. Okay. Um, West Covina, we were, well, I was in communication with uh, Starbucks. And so what we wanted to do, figure out if we can do I think it. most teachers are in communication with Starbucks on quite a daily a basis. Yeah. Quite a bit, quite a bit. <laughs> I wanted to bring our library um, some coffee after school. So it was, it was interesting because we wanted to do coffee, or tea, or or uh, what was the other thing? Hot chocolate. So we had hot water, right? Mm-hmm. So we couldn't do it. It was too, you know, much money and everything. So we had a couple of parents in my uh, principal's council, and um, they were like, "Okay, what do you need?" And I was like, "I need some water. I need this and that." And what we did was we for the two weeks prior to finals, we shut down the library for other stuff, and we we're like, "Everybody, come in here, and you can just you can just chill, or you mm-hmm. can." read and work with your friends or whatever. So the goal was to get more people to come into a common space and feel comfortable just being there. So we did it first semester, we did it second semester, and it it seemed to be pretty successful. Um, one of my APs took charge of it. He heard what I was trying to do, and he was like, okay, let's do it like this. And I tweak it a little bit, or I go check it out, and all oh, these kids came. Yeah, of course. You know, this this is what they want. This is what they need. Yeah. And then we had teachers, not not a lot of teachers, but we had some teachers come in, and they were just there. And if a kid had a question, there. Mm-hmm. And if a kid didn't have a question, the teacher just sat there grading papers or whatever they were trying to do. It's, it's, it's so easy, it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's so necessary. Because a lot of kids, especially in more affluent areas, um, they have too much unstructured time. So you don't have a place, if you're the ASB kid, to go do your homework after school because you're painting or you're, do- mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doing some kind of post or yeah. something. But if you had the library open, and I didn't, it wasn't open as long as I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be open from three o'clock to like six. Mm. We got it to five, you know. But if we could do something like that all the time, um, it makes a lot more sense for kids to have a place and a space and be able to communicate with their friends without, like I said, like re- reprisal. Yeah. And it's, it becomes more of a college like environment, Mm -hmm. which is funny because the college environment is both the, the standard of excellence, Mm -hmm. but also like the most archaic. Absolutely. It's some sort of weird Oreo cookie of, you know, it's like, you just want the filling, you want the good stuff. You don't want to eat the outside stuff, but it kind of, it comes with both. I like that. That's Uh, good. It sounds like the kind of school that you would want to create is something that is much less structured, Mm -hmm. but much more learning oriented. And I think, yeah, I think that's something that all schools should sort of aspire to well, to get it, to. It would be nice. I mean, you know, a lot of us are still structured in the traditional, mm-hmm. you know, go home, study, come back, take a quiz. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but right. that's not for everyone. And most workdays aren't structured in the same way that schools are structured. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Interesting. All right, so my next game, mm-hmm. uh, this has become a recurring game and uh i'm really excited 
All right. to, to do this round with you because I know that you are very big into hip hop. Yes. And of course you are very big into education as yes. well. Yes. So I have this game that we're going to play called Ross versus DeVos. <laughs> Rick Ross? <laughs> and I'm... And I am going to read you oh. quotes, and you are going to have to tell me who said it. Who said it? Okay. Betsy DeVos or Rick Ross? Oh, my God. This is the greatest game known to man. Go, this is uh, It's one of my favorite games. This is awesome. All right. Are you ready to play Ross versus DeVos? Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. All right. We're going to start the timer and go. This person said, I'm from where your hustle determines your salary. Oh, that's Rick Ross. Yeah, correct. This person said, I am ve- I'm very versatile, and there's nothing I really regret in life. I'm excited with who I am, and I'm just going to keep riding the wave. I would say Ross if it was Betsy Ross, but I think that's Betsy DeVos. That is Rick Ross. No. Yes. <laughs> this person said, being dead broke is the root of all evil. DeVos. That is Rick Ross. What? I'm telling you. Uh, next one. So this, this person said, now. all I ask for is an open mind and the opportunity to share my heart. DeVos. That is DeVos, Thank correct. You, Jesus. <laughs> this person says, am I really just a narcissist because I wake up to a bowl of lobster bisque? Oh, my God. I think that's probably Rick Ross. That is Rick Ross. <laughs> uh, correct. This person said, I mean, I'm a fan of Eminem. I'm a fan first and foremost. Maybe I wouldn't have challenged him, but I'm contemplating it now. Oh, wow. That's, that's tough. It seems like it should be Rick Ross, but I think maybe it was Betsy DeVos. No, no, it was Rick Ross. Betsy okay. DeVos hates everything about Michigan, okay, so perfect. including him. There you go. There you go. There you go. I was uh, like, what the heck? Next one. Uh, this person said, also, <laughs> schools share some responsibility and should offer helpful orientations that include general information about such recruitment efforts on their campuses. DeVos. That is Rick Ross. Oh Rick God. Ross is spitting some knowledge here. I might be horrible at this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's much harder than it seems. I was shocked at how hard this is. Oh uh, next quote. Uh, I am not a numbers person. DeVos. That is, yeah, that yeah. is the head of our education yeah. system She's awesome. telling us I am not a numbers person. Call me, uh, call me Betsy. Call- <laughs> we'll talk about numbers. <laughs> call Rick Ross. He apparently has all this knowledge. Rick has all this the This person knowledge. said, typically cult groups target universities and colleges, most likely those schools that maintain campus housing. That's so random. I mean, I'm going to say DeVos. It's Rick Ross. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Who is Rick Ross? We what don't even understand. What is going on? Uh, this person said, however, today due to civil litigation funded by cults, this option for families has been eliminated. Instead, the only form of cult intervention now practiced is voluntary, with the exception, with the exception of minor children under the direct supervision of a custodial parent. DeVos. It's Rick Ross. <laughs> How does he, this, these are interview questions? I don't even know how these come up, but this is a Rick Ross quote. And then of course, last but not least, this person said, first of all, let me say, I fully embrace equality and I believe in the innate value of every single human being and that all students, no matter their age, should be able to attend a school and feel safe and be free of discrimination. DeVos. That is DeVos. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, because it's such a patent lie that you just know that it's Betsy DeVos. Man, I I, I was bad. You know what? It's okay. That was bad. No, no, no. You assume that the best quotes were from the head of our you would think you know One education think. system and yet i'm not a numbers person is it's, more likely to be from that was yeah. the best one well congratulations you you know you still won the game congratulations <laughs> thank you very good much. job i want to thank my mom i want to thank everybody okay <laughs>
All right, so our final segment, and I'm sad to say it's our final segment because yeah, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I'd love to have you. Time. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of your your career and your point of view. Ask me back. Yeah, I, I'll come back. I, I'm asking you back right now. Let's right. have you back. Boom. Um, our final segment is uh, extra credit. Okay. Uh, and I call this extra credit because for the first few episodes, I went for this sort of sticky title of homework, mm-hmm. and I kept thinking to myself. I really hate asking, you know, my guests to give homework because I don't give homework to my students. I think giving homework is just not an equitable practice. It also just doesn't make a lot of sense pedagogically speaking. Mm -hmm. So I've changed it to extra credit. Yeah, good. Extra learning that you can do outside of the learning we're doing here. Right. Uh, It can be anything. It can be you can ask the audience to uh, check out a TV show or read a book or try any type of food uh, what is one extra credit assignment you would like to give the pod class audience between now and the next interview show? Okay. So I think it's, it's corny. Can I give two? Sure. Okay. Sure. It's extra credit. Extra credit. So one is, uh, I'm going to recommend a book to read if that's okay. Um, the book is called covering by Kenji Yoshino. By the way, it's only okay to Ask for a book if there's also a movie version or Cliff Notes. And there is a movie version right. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's being filmed right now. <laughs> Perfect. But it's it's about, I think it's good for educators because it's talking about um, being your authentic self mm. and bringing who you are to your home, to your work every day versus the name of the book's covering. So it's covering the concept of muting yourself. So I mentioned that a little bit earlier. And yeah. That's kind of where that's coming from. Hmm. I don't think I was aware that I was muting it until reading this book. Only young, oh, yeah. pre-Dr. Stephen Glass. Oh, yeah. The little Padawan walking around doing his thing. I'm like, oh, I can't say that. can't say this. I'm just good. Had you had this book, though, you'd been like, actually. Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's the, that's the beauty of it. Because hmm. I'm sitting there reading this book like, oh, my God, I do that. I do this. But, and it's, it's crafted in a way where it's definitely an autobiography, but it's also, you know, fact-based and mm. it's, it has a lot to do with theory. And um, the idea is, you know, the legal ramifications in a lot of different industries of covering and how that's, you know, we want to be inclusive and not actually force people, if you will, to assimilate. So that's, mm. that's one thing. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is uh, not really even controversial at all. It's just how I feel. I think everyone should listen to the new album by Jay-Z and Beyonce, The Carters. The Carters, that that album is amazing. Hmm. It is absolutely amazing. And it, it's, you know, I listened to it for probably a month straight. Wow. It came out at the end of the month in June. And it's it's incredible. I mean, the two of them together, it just, it makes it work. So I would, I'd say that's, that is mandatory extra credit <laughs> that's so, one of those things where it's like uh you have to have a uniform that's right at my school you have to listen to this to this album if you don't listen to this it's going to be a problem you're a big fan of the two mm-hmm. all the drama that they've had that has turned into these like amazing uh albums and yeah. manufactured or real I want oh, to you say, are really, <laughs> yeah. this is a really big thought you're having. I know, because I want to say it's real, but it seems like it's just too much. <laughs> and it, and then like, it comes out into this like perfectly constructed yeah, album. It makes me crazy. Mm. It makes me crazy. So I don't know. I, I I think it, I mean, I don't care if it's real, but I feel like it's real. <laughs> it's like, it's like if you like wrestling, I yeah. don't care 
that they know in advance what's happening. Yeah, exactly. They just love the art of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the beautiful thing about it. So. Well, and also that she uh, she changed the game for episode uh, episode. She changed the game for album releases. Oh just, yeah. You wake up one day and you're like, wait a minute. I thought it was July, but it's Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. what just happened? Boom. Yeah. And you just didn't even know. Didn't even know. So there you go. Every time. So it's awesome. That's going to be you at uh, at school this year. You show up as the principal, be like, assembly, boom, didn't know yeah, what's happening. Right now. Boom, this is what we're doing. Because it's instructional minutes. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the assembly is just you making everyone listen to the album. That's it. The whole time. Sit down, be quiet. Don't talk. We'll get to the content, I promise. Don't There's talk. There's a room it's, for questions. <laughs> the songs are awesome. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody sit down listen to number 12 again. Yeah. Go. And yeah. then when you're done, room for questions. I'll be sitting there answering right. all questions about Jay-Z. <laughs> we'll all hang out and talk done. about them. Perfect. There you go. Well, there thanks go. for coming. I, Thank uh, you. Had a good time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, that is our show. Thanks again to my guest, Dr. Stephen Glass. And thank you, my pod classmates, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please go right to the podcast homepage on whatever platform you get the show and leave a five-star rating. The more ratings my show has, the easier it'll be for people to find and enjoy. Come on, it takes like two seconds of your life. You can do it. The whole thing is free, right? Also, don't forget to come back next week for my next mini pod show. And remember, if you want your listener questions to be answered on air, don't forget to submit them to me through social media under the username at teachmemrwest or via email podclasspod, that's podclasspod at gmail.com. That's all for this week. Until next week, podcast dismissed.